Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to an abbreviated version of stoppage time. I, I think that's about all I can handle. Um, but we're going to talk about the LA Galaxy match. We're going to talk about the Chicago Fire match coming up. And Mike, we're going to talk about the need for Atlanta United now to go out on the road and, and get points because the table is getting crowded. And one of the teams that has jumped Atlanta United is who they face this weekend in Chicago. The bad luck timing. Gotcha. Thank you for unmuting me. Yes, Jason, I feel like this has been part of the bad luck situation that has befallen Atlanta United this year. I mean, if you think about it, all the injuries and the things you can't control. And, you know, on top of it, I just feel like Atlanta United, for whatever reason this year, they tend to catch a lot of teams when when they're getting hot, when they're playing well. Like, look at Charlotte, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when they had to play Charlotte in early April, Charlotte was finally getting their sea legs. They were getting a little bit of momentum, ran into him at a really bad time. Miami, later in April, kind of the same deal. Miami had a pretty good run of form, including, um, you know, kind of going into U.S. Open Cup where where they were starting to get themselves going, and, and you ran into them at a bad time. Certainly Austin, you ran into Austin when they were a raging inferno. Um, and these are, frankly, some opponents when the schedule came out where you thought, okay, that should be a really good opportunity for Atlanta United to get three points. And, and now, you know, a point, let alone three in Chicago, is not a sure thing. It's a credit to Chicago. They're playing well. Um, I think, again, it's a testament to how hard it is to win on the road in Major League Soccer. But 1-7-2 and two on the road is not acceptable. Uh, it, it's not acceptable. And um, you got beat. On sun on Sunday. I mean, no other way to say it. You went out there, you got beat. Uh, Scoreline was maybe a little unfair. Uh, it's a one nil game. It's a one nil game. Uh, you know, and I would argue both of LA Galaxy's goals looked offside, but you got beat. Uh, you know, that was not a match at the end of it where I thought, oh boy, Atlanta United played well enough to deserve three points. They, I don't. I don't necessarily think the the effort was a problem or anything like that. I want to no. be very clear, but uh, no, they, they, got, they got outplayed in, in got general. Outplayed. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing is when the goals are being given up, 
and that changes everything. This is one, I think the Orlando game kind of falls into it too, where the stats are not going to tell you the story because the goal is early and the opponent, Orlando, much more dramatically. But LA too, it, it just it changes the game. You know, when you have to start chasing, when you have to start committing more numbers forward, you're prone to the counters. Eventually, the Galaxy got a second goal at the very, very end. But it's easier for teams to play with a lead. You know, I mean, look across the league and it gets pointed out, you know, I think every time like, you know, first goal, you're I think L.A. now is eight, one and one. That's pretty consistent across any team like bad teams score first and then give up leads. Good teams don't always come back from giving up a first goal. It's just the first goal is so critical. The earlier it is, the more critical it can be. And Atlanta United can't continue to give up early goals. And and we're back to this balancing act. And I, I've talked about this on the station this week with, with Dukes and Bell and with Andy and Randy just a little bit ago. Gonzalo Pineda made the decision to go to three center backs. And a lot of fans were, were good with it. And I think it made sense at the time to do because you were giving up some goals that you don't want to give up. So going to three center backs gives you one more defender. It pulls an attacker, and, and we can talk about the lineup, and this guy should be an There's only so many players that can be on the field at one time. But the bigger issue, in my opinion, I think the Galaxy game really highlighted it, is not having a true six right now. Yeah. Because you don't have that ability to have somebody who can help you defensively, but also help control the midfield. I thought what turned this game for the LA Galaxy was their ability to play three central midfielders that were effective. That's something they've struggled with all year long. Gaston Brugman came in. He was maybe 45 minutes fit. He went a little bit more than that. Changed the game. And you saw what a six can do for a team, not just defensively, but then starting the attack as well. Santiago Sosa's health is, is critical for this team, in my opinion, right now, because if you have him, you can much more comfortably play a 4-3-3, get all of your attacking bodies on the field, and be a more dangerous team. Without him, you're guessing as to what's going to give you more defensive solidity. Three center backs or playing multiple eights like Hosechu and Sadich in the midfield, or Ibarra, who's a little bit more of a ball winner, not a true six. But you're trying to figure out how to find that defensive solidity somewhere else. Really need Sosa healthy and able to start, and I think this team looks a little more coherent with him. Totally agree with that. Um, and I, I get the sense, hopefully, Sosa is getting closer to 90 minutes. Yeah, he um, is. He's looking good know, when he's, he's been on. He's played a couple times, too, which I think is also a really good sign. And look, yeah. I, I, know, I know a lot was made of this lineup when it came out on Sunday. In my opinion, I think it's totally defendable from Gonzalo Pineda's standpoint, to start the same lineup that had back-to-back -back good performances against Real Salt Lake and Orlando. Can I offer a possible um, revision to your opening statement? Go right ahead. I think there was a lot made about the lineup after the game, not when the lineup came out. I didn't see really any conversation about this is a bad lineup before the lineup came out before the game started yeah, when when the lineup came out before the game started well in, in after fact, the fact it became a talking point 
in fact, I'll double down on that. It seemed like there was a lot of commentary during the week that Atlanta United had to stay in the 3-4-3. Had to stay in the 3-4-3 because that was what was working. When you go to the 3-4-3, someone in the Almada, Moreno, Aruju, Joseph slash Cisneros, someone in that group's got to come out. If yeah. you're going to be in a three-four-three, it's just and you're only in two central midfielders, and and right. when you do that, and you're playing a team that is good with the midfield trio, they're gonna be more likely to control the game there. Not always, not always, because if you can get wide, you can then take advantage of some overloads, and that was really the thing that Atlanta couldn't do in this game against the Galaxy. They weren't able to get in behind Araujo. They weren't able to get in behind Gasper, who really stayed home a little bit more. They weren't able to exploit anything wide, and they got 3v2'd in the midfield, and yeah. the Galaxy were able to keep control. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, you could go 4-3-3, and we saw that before. You have one fewer defender, maybe more likely to give up things on the other end, maybe a little more likely to create better chances and more goals on the other end, but that hasn't been a problem. You look at the chances that have been created, they're there. It's the fact that you're chasing games by giving up early goals. And that's a tough thing to to just fix on a chalkboard. Yeah, no, it, it truly is. Um, you know, it, it just trying to think back to the first goal on Sunday, it was not against the run of play. Uh, <clears throat> LA Galaxy was dominating possession in the first 10 minutes of the game, so it wasn't against the run of play. Um, it, it was a little bit of a scramble situation after a point-blank shot by Chicharito, and and you don't like Chicharito getting that opportunity. I don't blame Rocco no. for the, the rebound going to um, uh, Cabral. I, I don't blame him at all. You go back uh, to the beginning of it if you want to talk about Rocco. And sure. it's and that's fair. It's a pass that he didn't miss by much. It's up the middle, which if you're going to play out of the back, you want to try to find those spaces through the middle. That's where the soft spot can be. It's also the riskiest spot. He overhit it for Hosechu, who couldn't get a touch. The wing backs had gone. And when L.A. was able to get control of the ball and play past your two central midfielders, it was a 4v3, 5v3 kind of situation. And we've had this conversation before. The um, a, a goal where Alan Franco you know, was left alone and had to try to step out and be aggressive and just missed it. It's kind of the same thing here. Maybe he could have been a little more safe and just tried to hold things and, and hold a line. But it's it's a transition moment playing out of the back that Rios Novo missed it by about a foot, foot and a half over Hosechi's head. And when that ball turns over, it's a numbers advantage for the Galaxy, and they take full advantage. Rios Novo makes a big save on the on the first shot. But the rebound, you don't have the numbers to deal with it. McFadden was scrambling back after releasing on the initial ball, as you're supposed to. Ball played mm-hmm. by the goalkeeper, played in the midfield. You want McFadden going up that right side to be an option. When it turns over, he's got to hit the brakes and sprint back, and he wasn't able to get back and then recover to find Cabral and deal with the rebound. What I, I hope you don't mind. I want to kind of jump to the twitch pitch because yeah, sure. and not go in chronological order because 
Shiva asks, I think, a question that's germane to what we're going through here. Yeah. If giving up early goals is a problem, why do you think this team does not come out ready to play? Um, I don't think all of these early goals have occurred in the same situation. No. Um, let's go back to Toronto. Give up a goal in the first 10 minutes. What happened maybe 15 minutes before you conceded that goal? Brooks Lennon gets carried off the pitch during warmups because mm-hmm. he slipped on a rubber mat that was placed for some reason right on the touchline. And uh, you don't know how badly he's hurt. It looks like he's badly hurt. The team was shell-shocked. You have to make an immediate, sudden change to your, your starting lineup. But just from an emotional standpoint, you were shocked. So that's one situation. Galaxy. Pineda did talk about how there was a little bit of a surprise that Galaxy came out in the formation that they came out in, mm-hmm. and maybe the reaction was slow. Again, different situation. Austin. Um, Austin, you just never had it the whole game. Maybe a different situation. Charlotte. Olympico. You're, I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> you know, that's, the recurring that's not- thread. The recurring thread is more transition moments early. And Jason, let me just jump in. I I think earlier in the season, it was set pieces early. Yeah. I think now it has evolved into more of a transition. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. It's transition moments where you're caught. Um, That happens at any point. I I think, look, it's easy and and nobody's going to stop you from doing it. It's easy to play the, they're not trying hard enough or they're not ready to play or these kinds of conversations. These are very basic things that, that we can all say about any, any game you turn on and and watch. I don't think that's the issue here. I I really truly don't. I, I think this team is always ready to play. I don't think this team comes out and, and doesn't care and those kinds of things. I, I think that's missing the point. I, I really do. I, I think what's happening, and we've we've gone through them. They're all different situations, but in this game, it's a mishit ball playing out of the back, which you're gonna play out of the back. You're going to have mishit balls. You haven't had too many this season, to be perfectly honest, but they will happen. You've also had opportunities where you play out of the back, you get forward, and you score goals. That happens too, and you can't always focus on the negative and forget the positive in that moment. You can't say, well, don't play out of the back. It's not that they weren't ready to play. It's that they got outplayed in a situation. They got outplayed. They got outplayed in the first 15 minutes. And then you saw some adjustments, and then you saw them deal a little bit better. First half ended a little bit better. Second half was good with the changes that you made. Eventually going to 4-3-3, and I thought that looked much better. Campbell at right back was as good as you could possibly ask him to be. Machoke Chol was even more dangerous. But you're relying at that moment to come back. It's it's moments. I don't think it's about this team being ready to play. I just I really think that's a, a, a cliche. It's not what's happening. It's a turnover and you get punished for it. This game really more and more, especially in this league, is turning into a transition kind of moment situation and Atlanta's done that too go back to Hosechu's uh, assist to Cisneros that's a turnover very same situation go back to the opening goal of the season it's pressure it's a turnover through the middle Atlanta has scored their share of those two and they were ready to play in those moments 
They were ready to play here. They just didn't execute a play and got outplayed in a moment and gave up an early goal, and it changed everything. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right. It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Don't get me wrong. And and it gets very frustrating. And this doesn't really pertain to the Galaxy match, but it gets very frustrating when you're playing Columbus or Orlando uh, teams that are going to want to shut down mm-hmm. and put everyone behind the ball after getting an early goal. And by the way, you know, for all the broad generalities that have been made about Atlanta United, maybe from outside this market, about how the Eastern Conference is passing Atlanta United by, no one. Fa- it, uh, here's here's a narrative that's come from inside the market from someone who covers the team. No one fears going to play at Mercedes-Benz Stadium anymore. When a visiting team is scoring in the seventh minute and then immediately parking the bus, yeah, that tells me they are afraid of playing yeah. at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So I, I do think that there might be a little more respect right now for what Atlanta United is and can be from players and opposing managers that maybe there is from people watching from, from 30,000 feet. But I definitely understand why there is frustration right now. And again, you know, the results are not acceptable. As I said at the top of the show, one seven and two on the road is not up to this club standard. Uh, Let's get to some other comments on the Twitch pitch. Christopher Abel says, uh, these are the two performances out of the last four, Austin and LA, that are two of the worst performances in club history. And I don't agree with that, by the way. I don't agree with that on LA. I don't. I'll continue with that. If Rocco doesn't make a couple big saves, that game could have easily been three or four nil. With the exception of the first 15 minutes of the second half, 
LA completely dominated the match. I don't agree with that either. The stats uh, don't back that up. The game no. flow doesn't back that up. You could say the same about Jonathan Bond making a couple of big saves on, on Cisneros as well. So um, it wasn't good enough. Don't get me wrong, but. I, I mean, if you're making those statements, then you have amnesia about the game in Chicago in 2019 that they lost. Yeah, it's it's not even it's not even that to me. It's the fact like the Austin game is a bad game and a bad reaction in the second half to a bad performance. You didn't see that here. It was not a game where you got run off the field for 90 minutes at all. It was a game where you got outplayed for 15, and that's a different conversation. Look, I, I know the frustration mounts and. And this is this is something that I just <laughs> I don't even know how to handle it anymore, to be honest, because when we disagree in in, situ- in points like this, we're going to tell you why we disagree. It's not being disrespectful or saying we don't want to hear the opinion. We don't also have to agree with the opinion because it's presented. You know, it's it's a, it's a back and forth and we're talking and I'll tell you that there are, like Mike said, there's many other performances you can go through club history and find that are worse than a, a 2-0 loss at the LA Galaxy in a game where you had as many shots and as much XG and all those things you can point to. And all of that shows you that it wasn't the epically horrible performance that I think this has been portrayed and maybe some of the reaction to it has been. I think the reaction is because of the frustration, because yeah. of where the team is this season, and that's multi-layered and not purely what you're seeing on the field right now. There's a big point to look at in the training room. And I don't care who said what. If you have a defense of Brad Gazan, Andrew Gutman, Miles Robinson, Alan Franco, and Brooks Lennon play the majority of games this season, and this is no disrespect to Caleb Wiley, Aiden McFadden, George Campbell, and Rocco Rios Novo, you would rather have the group that you're missing four of the five. Right. That's who you built this team to be. And you wonder why you give up goals in some of these moments. Well, there's a reason. And well, you cannot dismiss that. Yeah, and, and I think that goes to Tom Russo's comment here on the Twitch pitch. Tom says, my concern is that, as Joseph somewhat alluded to, we just have a, a bunch of disparate parts, not a cohesive team. Talented parts for sure, but not cohesive. But the cohesion was made impossible in part because of what you've just outlined. Every week you're losing one of those parts. Uh, and look, the the lineup that played Sunday night was not in any way, shape, or form the intended first-choice group for Atlanta United when this team was being assembled. You no. know, you, you, you hope that you can rely on your depth and you have some nice depth pieces that you've brought in, but this wasn't the plan. And, and and that that's another thing that I I just I don't know maybe maybe I need to get off Twitter more. We were talking about getting off Twitter being good for our mental health <laughs> on Sunday, and I really do believe that. I, I, like I, I see all these comments about how there was no plan in building this roster, and and this roster was ruined. These like, things are not true, folks. No, I'm sorry, they're just not. But but again, like the lineup you're seeing right now was not the planned first choice group you can prepare for certain players to get injury injuries but there's no way you can plan for your starting goalkeeper and your best 11 center back and your right back and your left back and your holding midfielder both of them 
both of them to, to, to suffer significant slash season ending injuries. There's just no way you can plan for all of that. You do the best you can. And that doesn't give you a pass that you can go into games and not play well. And ah, it's, it's completely fine. No, it's going to affect who's in the roster next season. It's going to affect who gets time going forward. It's going to affect a lot of things. Everything matters. But I, my hypothesis on this and where things are right now is there's a fatigue in the media and fan base about talking about injuries. And I get it. I understand it because it's not fun to deal with it. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing that you can really say about it. You can try to create a narrative, and that's a waste of time. Injuries are injuries. These are worse than normal, and these are more significant to the starting lineup than normal for longer periods of time. But I think you had more injuries in the attack early, and that was a huge talking point at that time. Now, when you go through what that defense is and what it would have been, that's the issue. That's the issue when you don't have either of your possible starting sixes, either of your starting fullbacks, one of your starting center backs, or your starting goalkeeper, you're not going to be as strong defensively. You want to be stronger than you are, but you're not going to be as strong as you would have been. So the idea about you didn't have a plan and, and on those things, no, you put together a roster that if everybody was healthy or even most everybody was healthy, you would be in a different position than you are right now. That's a fact. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm all due respect to uh, P Herrera. I'm guessing that's Percy. Um, when he says we weren't that great right off the bat either. I, I, I just, I'm sorry. I don't buy that. They were three, you one were and three, one. one and one. You lost a game in Colorado where Alonzo found out the day before that he couldn't play because of a yeah. heart issue. <laughs> No, that's not true. And you were missing Araujo at that point. So no, that's I'm I'm sorry, guys. Like I understand the frustration, but facts are facts. And, and when we talk about it from that perspective, it's not saying you don't want to hear the opinion, but you have to factually be correct. And yeah, three one and one's a good start. And three one and one with getting twenty minutes out of Luis Araujo is a good start. It's a very good start. You were in a good position. And then you go to D.C. and you win and you lose Ozzy Alonso and you lose Joseph Martinez for an extended period of time. And then it started ramping up. And you want to go from there on? Go do the math. All right. A couple more on the Twitch pitch. We're going to stop at 2.30. Uh, we're, we're still getting our wind back. I, I hope you all understand. Yeah. Um, let's do a, a couple comments about. The three designated players aren't getting it done slash the three designated players should all be starting. In other words, a lot of conversation about the three. <laughs> I can't keep players. up with which one it should be. Um, right now, I think Ronaldo Cisneros gives you more for a longer period of time than Joseph Martinez. And I think that is on multiple levels. Um, he He's able to press more. He's able to make runs in behind more. You know, maybe Joseph isn't able to do that because of the recovery from the knee. Will he be able to again? There's no way to answer that. I don't know. Uh, but I think the team looks better with Cisnero starting than it does with Joseph starting. I think we saw that against Austin versus what we've seen since. The attack's been better. It has. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I truly believe that it has. Um, you want to, and we go back to, you know, which ones should be starting and all that stuff. Marcelino Moreno had been playing well. 
he got the start over Tiago Almada, who I thought was trying to get his rhythm back after the suspension and had some ups and downs in games. So Moreno got the start. He didn't have a great day. He didn't have a great day in Los Angeles. That's going to happen too. Almada came in and played well. I'd love to see Tiago Almada 90 minutes every game. And I think to do that, you got to be in a 4-3-3 and, and get to that point. You got to get Sosa healthy to truly be effective in a 4-3-3 to have the balance that you need. Um, Araujo, I want more from him in general. I think you need to find him in some more dangerous spots. The 3-4-3 doesn't suit him as well. A 4-3-3 where he has an overlapping fullback that he can use or play off of as a decoy, cut inside or be on the left side and put in crosses. He's more suited to that role, and you haven't been able to do that at the moment. So I think you want, right now, Cisneros starting, you want to be in a 4-3-3. You want Moreno, Araujo, and Almada across the three behind the forward. Um, and look, Joseph might start some, and he might play 45 in some. It might be a little bit of a split, but I don't think he can give you the runs in behind and the defensive pressure for 90 minutes right now. I hope he can. I don't think he can. I think Cisneros has done a better job of that this season. So, But to get into that 4-3-3 and get the best out of your attacking players, I think you have to have Santi Sosa healthy. I, I don't think Josechu and Sadich in a 4-3-3 behind Almada or Moreno gives you enough defensive solidity. And this was something that was called for before and it went to three, four, three. Everybody was happy with that. You can play a four, three, three with Sosa as a six and then play one of Hosechu. And I would believe it'd be Mateus and Sadich with Almada or Moreno in front. And then you have a six and eight, a 10, as opposed to two eights and a 10 and not enough strength defensively. Uh, Glenn wants to know if Godinho may be in line to get a start soon. He could be. I mean, he's competing for it, and he didn't come here to sit the bench. Um, I don't think Rocco Rios Novo has been a problem, but like we said in this past game, it's his giveaway that leads to the break that leads to the goal. Um, that happened. Okay. Godinho's not as strong with the ball at his feet, but he's a good distributor. He's, he's good. He's going to give you some different things with that. He's probably going to look to go longer a little bit more than Rios Novo. He's not going to come off his line quite as much um, to play in the kind of midfield areas as much. Um, he's a different kind of goalkeeper. He deals with crosses well. He's a good shot stopper. He's 6'5". He's a different type of goalkeeper. Um, it's going to come down to how they're training. It really is. I don't think Rios Novo's done anything to lose the job right now, but has he locked it down to say Goudinho will never play this season? No, I, I don't think that's the case either. I think it's an open competition, and I think Goudinho will push for that time. Okay, uh, quick thought on Chicago. Uh, again, team getting hot. Shakiri scoring on Saturday in Vancouver. They won 3-1, and then Vancouver turned around and won the Canadian Championship last night. So, um, solid win for Chicago on the road coming into this. They'll be at home. Atlanta United has never won at Soldier Field. They have not even scored at Soldier Field in their history. I do think they're going to score this weekend, but I'm not sure if they're going to win. Yeah, Chicago, big win in Vancouver. They're starting to get things sorted out after a good start, then a really bad middle of the season. Chris Mueller has helped provide them some balance. I think the young Colombian up top, uh, Jean Duran, 
has taken the spot. He's 18. He's the youngest international signing in MLS history. They had to wait for him to turn 18 to bring him to Chicago. He's displaced, displaced uh, Shabilko, who they brought in for a pretty large trade. And Duran has gotten the start. He played against Vancouver. He's been good. Shakiri, I think, now has people to play with. And, and that was my question when he showed up, was who can he combine with? Who can he build a connection with? Duran up top is one. Mueller, good 1v1 player. You know what he can do. I think the underrated player here that doesn't get talked about enough is Brian Gutierrez, another one of their homegrowns, who's a very crafty player, a very good player. I like Gutierrez a lot. And they, they've just kind of sorted things out. I think for Atlanta against Chicago, a little bit of the same thing that we talked about against the LA Galaxy that Atlanta United wasn't able to exploit. Same situation. You have a right back in Borsekulic, who is really good getting forward, but doesn't always track back effectively. He's not always strong defensively. You can get in behind him, but that means you have to win the midfield and get Caleb Wiley forward. If you can get Wiley forward, and whether you're 4-3-3 or 3-4-3, Wiley into that attacking zone with Moreno, with Almada, with Araujo, whoever it is, with a forward option as well, you can create some problems for Chicago and start to pull things apart. If you allow Sekulich to dictate that side of the pitch, then Chicago has the advantage and pins you back. I think that side will determine really how this game goes. Atlanta has to win their left, Chicago's right. Okay, well, a little bit of a different broadcast situation this weekend. Jason's going to Chicago. Uh, He'll call the game 4.30 for the Five Stripes Countdown. 5 o'clock will be the kickoff, a 92-9 the game. I'm staying in Atlanta. I'm doing the game on TV with Moa Dew. Uh, We'll be on Bally at 4.30 on Saturday. So listen to Jason if you want to know what's going on. Listen to me if you don't. Uh, And then I'm kind of hoping next Wednesday, I feel like we're – we're kind of moving back towards the uh, point maybe we can do 40 minutes, 45 minutes next week. So uh, You're be- definitely moving back in that direction. Um, I wish I was, and and thank you to people who have reached out. I really do appreciate it. Um, I wish I, I knew what to tell you. I do. Um, it's been four weeks since I tested positive for COVID, and really all I've been able to do since then is the games and it's everything I can do to get those games in. So I want to get stuff like this done, but this 30 minutes that we've just done like burning right here and a little short of breath. And that's why I haven't been able to do as much as I want. And I, I wish that I could do more. I'm trying to get to where I can do more, but I got to be able to do my job, which is calling games. And that's the number one priority. And I wish I had a better update for you, but it, it sucks. I've just, this has been rough. This is the longest I've been sick with something, anything. I mean, well, of course, COVID's we, we, new, but. Oh. We got this a month ago. Did yeah, it's, we, it was we, right at a month ago. We, we, we got this in Toronto. Month and a day uh, since I tested positive. Because I tested positive on the Tuesday when we got back. Yeah, I it sucks, and I see all of you on the Twitch pitch. You know, Glenn, I see you just got it. I'm sorry. Uh, I hope you feel better. Ten out of ten, do not recommend this. I hope all uh, you guys get more of what Mike had than what I what yeah, I got. <laughs> because... I, I, I've been 
I've been super, super fortunate. The only thing I got was a, a busted voice for a couple days, and that was probably a blessing to all of us. Uh, otherwise, I've been fine. But my wife really got whacked yeah. by this, and, and Jason is still dealing with it. And, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll just say this, um, you know, <laughs> I get so upset when I see things on Twitter, and I, I just I hope you all know how much Jason wants to be back to normal and doing everything in his daily routine. And yeah. uh, I'll just leave it at that. And I just, we'll leave it at that, but uh, we'll be with you. Jason's going to Chicago and uh, I'll be on Valley four 30 Saturday for uh, Atlanta United and Chicago. And we'll be back with you hopefully next week for stoppage time. As we look ahead to Seattle and uh, full capacity Mercedes Benz stadium to begin the month of August. So uh, thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you again next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 